This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate. Then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Oh, wait, you're listening. Okay. All right. <clears throat> You're listening, listening to Radio Lab. Radio Lab. From WNYC. Hey, I'm Latif Nasser. And I'm Lulu Miller. This is Radio Lab. And this week, Latif, I want to play something very special. Okay. It's a piece of audio. It comes from another podcast. Um, and I should say right here that this one is probably not for kids. Okay. Okay. So this thing I want to play for you, I listened to it last weekend. I was no, not even last. Just I listened to it a few days ago, and it was like, whoa. I was in Los Angeles driving in my rental car through these dark and unfamiliar streets, and I got so sucked into the conversation that when I got to where I was going, I had to just sit there in the dark, seeing where it went. Wow. Because it was so. Just, Wait, don't build was... it up too much. I feel like okay. I want to hear it, but okay, yes. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I have that problem. Okay. So the podcast is called The 11th, and the episode is called I'm Here to Pep You Up. We had reached out to a bunch of comedians and writers and asked them, do you maybe have a pep talk for us? They wanted the to give a little gift right in these now. dark months. Everything feels twice as hard. They as just wanted do. to pep people up. Could you just try to help us feel a little better? And they got all kinds of submissions. Hey, Leslie, you're doing great, girl. Little essays. So what? You can't swim. You got this. You know who you are. Songs. So you did it again. Voicemails. I am Mold O'Brien. This is Grammy O'Brien. Emerald. Congratulations. I kind of hate to jump in, but this feels really similar to what we did in the last couple episodes where we were looking back on a terrible year, trying to tell stories to distract people from it or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. It's like if Radiolab was my friend. I would be like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, A, no, we might not be okay, honestly. <laughs> but B, what they get up to in the second half of the show is something totally different. It is not a distraction at all. It's not even really a pep talk. Okay. They point us toward this raw conversation about a thing you cannot pep talk someone out of. mm um, and it ends up somewhere totally unexpected. So that's what we're going to play. Okay. Let me hear it. What is it? Um, so, yeah, it features these three guys, two of them, Adam Juskovich and Eric Janakis, have a podcast called The Relentless Picnic. And the third person is their friend, Matt, who is called into the podcast as he's going through this really hard thing. Uh-huh. And that's all I'm going to say. Guys? Yes, that's me. What's up, Matt? What's up, man? So uh, who's getting married? Yeah. Uh, my friend I grew up with, uh, his name is Felipe, and uh, they met in high school, and they're getting married in uh, Kennebunkport. 
Oh, wow. Bush country. Yeah, we're off the beaten path a bit. We're, uh, I think, like, I don't know, five miles from town or something. Right. So is it weird to be going to a, a wedding? I imagine that's, like, not a dream thing right now. Yeah, I think when I actually get there, it'll be tough. But it's my friend, so I want him to be happy. And I already talked to him before. Yeah. Um, you know, just uh, saying, you know, I'm not going to, like, make a fucking scene or something, you yeah, know. Uh, but it was just like, you know, if it's too much for you to handle, that's what everyone's been saying, you know, because uh, I'm pretty independent or I don't like asking for help. So this like this whole process has been really fucked up because uh, everyone is babysitting me basically or trying to. And, you know, like so he just reached out and just said, you know, if you have to leave or if he, you know, it's too much, don't even worry about it. You know, everyone's being great because, you know, Right. They want to give you, like, space to do what you need to do, but it can also be a little right. alienating, I imagine. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Like, you know, it, it's he is thinking about me, but at the same time, it's also his happiest day on Earth. So, yeah. like, I do all the scene-making myself when I'm alone, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I was, well, uh, was kind of going to ask if, uh, if there was, like, a kind of, like, uh, thing you were leaning on more since or music um, or whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not, um, I've been, you know, reading a lot. Um, my friends got me a, um, they paid like some dude on Amazon, like $300 over asking price for a Nintendo switch. So I was playing Zelda for like a hundred hours and, um, that's been helpful. Been trying to write stuff down. Um, I remember about her and, uh, thank God for technology. Um, as horrible as it's made us that I can just take out my phone and, you know, write something down. Like, what if you imagine we're like someone is going to be listening to this? You don't need to share anything you don't want to share. That's right, and you don't got to tell the whole story to but the extent you don't want. Is to. there any part? Of, what would you sort of say about if someone said, "What is this guy dealing with? What's happened?" Like, is there a version of this that you would want to sort of lead off with? Um, you know, I, easy I question. So what you know? I mean, it's uh, well, it's, I mean, it's pretty loaded uh, question. Um, about as hard a thing as I, you can ever ask. No, yeah, no, it's hard to, like, you know, condense it. Um, uh, I found the love of my life. Everything I talk about this sounds cliche, but, no. you know, she was, uh, uh, you know, I'd, I'd never seen her happier in my life. And, uh, you know, um, we just wanted to grow old and be boring together. I mean, we just bought our first house in November on her birthday. And, uh, you know, I mean, she had a disease and. Yeah, when we brought Erica up to Boston, they, she had her last seizure of her life um, until this last one, uh, of course. But uh, we had an appointment at MGH, Mass General Hospital, and they figured it out immediately. And they, well, they thought they did, of course, but there were no warning signs whatsoever. And then, you know, she never had a, another seizure or tremor or anything like that. For uh, three years? For, for three years to the day, March 26th. That's incredible. She uh, had her bridal shower. And I was at a friend's bachelor party and her, all her family and friends were there. And, you know, um, she was, uh, and then she died that day. But the, uh, the thing I want people to remember too, like, because she was shy and everything, she opened up into this completely confident person that I don't even recognize when I first met her. And I think you'd feel the same, Adam. Yeah. You made uh, her so happy and she made you so happy that who you guys were after you got engaged and as you were planning this wedding, you were like these shining, fully embodied versions of these ghosts that I'd met years earlier. You know what I mean? Right. 
Oh yeah, no, I mean, I, I wasn't a fucking ray of sunshine either. So, I mean, it's just uh, it's so cliche, but like we kind of did just need each other at all times, and uh, maybe that's selfish, but it's, it's kind of selfless too. I'm like I'm a real sap, so like you know, when I asked her to marry me, I planned it for months and had like 50 people come to surprise us, and her mom came up and. And you saw at the funeral too how many people came and how just dedicated everyone was, and uh... it was stunning. Death had struck, and it it made the funeral so profoundly painful in this way that no other funeral I'd ever been to. It, well, yeah. it, there was no looking back. It was like looking forward at this thing that didn't get to happen or something. It was yeah. everyone was filled. Yeah, with anguish. no, I mean that's that's what I'm most angry about. Like people keep telling me to, you know you know, take care of yourself. She'd want you to be happy. And, you know, maybe someday I'll get there. But right now I'm just so angry that everything I get to experience, every laugh I get to see, like every new episode of Veep that comes out, she doesn't get to see it. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's one of those things that it's just so unfair. And even that may not be the right term, but, uh, you know, anyone dealing with death, it's so weird. It's like, it's sort of like radiation. It just, it kind of just lingers. Like, you know, people will just keep, sending me letters that I haven't talked to forever and care packages. And you even said your mom was worried about it. It's just like, you know, it's just, this is, I, I'm wondering what effect all those people reaching out to you has like, does yeah. any of it change the shape of what you're feeling in any way? Um, it's extremely touching. And, you know, some people do say the wrong things, but they come from a good place. Um, and I keep trying to remind myself of that. But no, I mean, it, the, the outpouring has been so crazy because it's just so fucked. The, uh, you know, I, I have a pile of letters on my countertop that are from her bridal shower, just wanting us to grow old together, wishing us well and stuff. And then Ugh. there's the next pile from the same people, you know, right. saying, I'm so sorry. So it's, it's extremely surreal. It feels like I'm in a dream or something. And, uh, I mean, next weekend, our, our wedding and, uh, I've just, I've beyond, I've beyond crying now. I mean, it happens. Yeah. It's yeah. just something will happen and you'll just hear something or see something. And, you know, I don't know. I live near like a baseball field and these kids come over to play every day with their families and shit. And it's just so weird to just know that that's never, you know, now we can't do that and stuff. It's just, you know, I'm still living in the house and I have to sell it next week. And, you know, it's just seeing her stuff. I mean, sometimes I just run outside and, Sometimes I just fall on my friends or something, you know, it's just like, it, it's, it, it's very strange not being in control of yourself when that happens. Something you said just really struck me as true. Like it, this is the mystery and the pain at the center of human life, death and loss. And yep. no one really knows how to like approach that abyss. And right. you, it yep. sounds like Matt, from what you're saying, it sounds like occasionally you feel like a guilt for bringing people up oh, to sure. that abyss. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, I grew up with Catholicism, so uh, (laughs) that's going to be with me forever. Like, I always want to just sort of, like, charge into the mess, and I know that that isn't the right move with everybody, but I like the first thing I wanted to do was, like, be like... Like, I mean, it's insane. I gave you that book by Joan Didion where she lost yeah, her husband. Yeah. It's the most intense book about, like, grieving there ever was. And I was like, here's whiskey. And mm-hmm. it's completely inappropriate. Like, when I was grabbing that shit, no. it, it was like... And it's helped me a lot because she made me not feel crazy. She actually... I couldn't bring myself to do this, but she went through all these studies of grief and what it does to the actual body and stuff. And it's, like, the exact thing I'm feeling. I thought I was going insane. 
you, I mean, you know, I hope, I hope it's not too personal, but I mean, you told me you talked to your fucking dad for the first time in yeah. a long time. And yeah. so you, you know, asked Emily to marry you and stuff. And it's just like, it's one of those things. It's like, it sounds so fucking cheesy when it doesn't happen to you, but it's like, we, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. I mean, it's a major point, right? Is when this kind of shit happens, we can either uh, fall back on certain kinds of formulas, you know, or you either certain things you say like, oh, one day at a time and here's a casserole or you can I think you can let it scare you. I do think that that experience of talking about what happened to Erica going to that funeral put me in this place of like. Oh yeah, I'm gonna reach out. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna evolve a little bit. I think one of the coolest things about Weird. you, Matt, and you should appreciate this. This is distinctive about you. I think is that you are not backing down. I feel like it's worth mm. pointing out, man. No, it's really thank you. Even that day, even on the day at that funeral, I felt like you, you were confronting it and making sure shit got said and sort of guiding the day. And that is, that is above and that's above and beyond. Yeah. Well. Again, I know it sounds cheesy, but she was my entire life, and uh, it's very empty without her. Um, there's so many beautiful people who are helping me, but it's still just, you know, when they're not there, the house is just so quiet and just, you know, she's, I don't really, I don't make her dinner anymore. You know, it's just those things. None of that sounds cheesy, Matt. I just don't want people to think that, like, I have this horrible fear in like a year if I'm still feeling like shit, like it's not my fault. Like I'm not trying to obsess over it. You know what I mean? It's just like, like, you know, they don't say it explicitly, but it's implied. You need to start moving on. It's like, fuck you. It's just like, I would, I'd love to, but you know, (laughs) right. Coming up more of Matt's conversation with Adam and Eric and one more surprise person joins in. Radiolab is supported by BetterHelp. Whether it's already 2 a.m. on a fun night out, graduation time, a new year, we can find ourselves wishing we had more time, wondering where it all went. But there's a question. If we were magically given that time back, what would we do with it? Perhaps you'd spend more time with a friend that you've lost touch with or petting your dog or just noticing the sweetness of doing nothing. The best way to let those special things into your life is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority going forward. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. BetterHelp offers convenient, affordable online therapy that comes to you. Start the process in minutes and switch therapists anytime. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Radiolab today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Radiolab. Radiolab is supported by the John Templeton Foundation, funding research and catalyzing conversations that inspire people with awe and wonder. Learn about the researchers making the latest discoveries in the science of well-being, complexity, forgiveness, and free will at templeton.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Grant, host of the podcast Rethinking, a show where I talk to some of today's greatest thinkers about the unconventional ways they see the world. On Rethinking, you'll get surprising insights from scientists, leaders, artists, and more. People like Reese Witherspoon, Malcolm Gladwell, and Yo-Yo Ma. Hear lessons to help you find success at work, build better relationships, and more. Find Rethinking wherever you get your podcasts. What has helped you that anybody has said? What is there anything? Is there 
Yeah. Um, it's mostly just actions. It's like, you know, even my friends just being there, I guess. And, uh, that's helped a lot. And, you know, and the thing that Saunders wrote me was really wonderful. Um, that made me not feel insane as well, you know? Yeah. Well, why didn't it make you like, what was different about it? Like you, it wasn't a cliched, like, I don't know. Because he didn't say it was going to get better. And he didn't, he didn't expect me to think that it was going to get better. All it was, was just making me feel the way I'm feeling is okay. I would love for you to read it. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, so yeah, Adam, you posted something on Instagram, uh, an excerpt from one of the last pages of the, of Lincoln and the Bardo. And it just, you know, I think I couldn't stop rereading it. You know, it's just so beautiful and fucked up and it kind of got lost more than like a, a stupid romantic film would do. You know what I mean? It's just, it was the book I was, I was reading that day. The, that day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I immediately connected it in my head yeah. to what happened. But I didn't ever yeah, think a, yeah. that you would reach out to George Saunders. <laughs> did you expect a response like in your, or no, did you? No, never. not at all. I figured, I figured cause you know, but I also, you know, I mean, you just hope, I mean, yeah. I yeah. don't even know if I, yeah, even if I wanted one, but I was just, I just wanted to let him know. Yeah. 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 Even if it ever got to him that he was helping me and uh, I'll never forget it. So, um, I just, I wrote a hello. I just lost my fiance two weeks ago and she was buried this last Saturday. She was 29. We had just moved into our first house together and we were about to start our life. My friend sent me an excerpt from your new novel and I keep it with me always. I'm reading the novel right now in my backyard, actually. I don't even know if anyone will see this, but I just want you to know that you have helped me. I don't even know what to do anymore. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I've never understood loss like this, and the only thing keeping me from taking my life is that I know what it does to others. Be well. And uh, he wrote back, Dear Matt, oh, I am so, so sorry for your loss. That must be just unspeakably difficult. I'm glad the book is saying something to you. I don't really know what to say except that someone told me this recently that grief is a form of praise. You are praising the wonder of the person you lost. The great pain you are feeling means great love. I can't imagine that helps, but it is true. It is like cause and effect. You really saw and knew and cherished her. That's what your grief is proving. And proving that she was wonderful and that you appreciated that. If you'll allow me for one more thought, I'm 58. And it feels like no time at all has passed since I was your age. Soon you will be here. I wonder if it helps to ask yourself, what am I going to do with that very short time I will have before I see my loved one again? The more you do, the more you love, and the more lives you touch, the better. You are here for both of you now. Of course, I don't know you, and I hope I haven't offended or over-advised, but my heart goes out to you, brother, and my prayers. All the best. Um, so that was the first exchange, and I don't know, that kind of just bored me. Oh, amazing. Yeah, let's take a... I love when he... I love that he calls you brother. There's something... I don't know. I know. You see, I see immediately how like he yeah. doesn't know you, Matt, but he's worried about saying the wrong thing, and he's worried about like like rubbing you the wrong way. Like we're all we all have like such care for each other. It reminds me, even right, yeah. strangers, you know, that we are trying, and this is such a fucking mystery that he is just trying not to get in your way. He only wants to boost you. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to make me feel better. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't respond to him because I, you know, I didn't want to bother him or whatever. And then he kept reaching out to me on Facebook. Really? Saying, I hope you got my notes. Oh, yeah, I hope you got my notes or whatever. And I, I hope you're doing okay and stuff like that. And 
That's incredible. So I wrote him back. I don't know why I had this need. It sounds selfish or something, but I, I wrote him our engagement story and I just sent a, a picture. Of, I don't want us to feel like it's just some weird stranger or something. I know that doesn't make any sense. No, no, to make it realer, to like sense. show the, the photograph. Yeah. And it's not fair now. to do to someone like he has his own shit to deal with, but I wanted him to just see her and know her. And anyway, so I, cause I wrote a long thing about our engagement night. Um, I said, I promise I'll stop bothering you. I just wanted to say thank you for your words. They brought me to tears. It means the absolute world. I've already gotten involved with groups researching epilepsy to help others in her name forever. Or to help with this disease will always be. I'd also ask one last thing and we'll be out of your busy life. I'd like you to read about our engagement story, let you know who we were and not just strangers. I hope that you read it, but if not, I understand. I don't even know really why I'm sending it. I just want you to know who we were. I want everyone to know who she was and what she did for me. But again, if not, I completely understand. You've already done so much for me. Thank you, George, and I wish you well. And he wrote back, Matt, this is so beautiful. It seems you have experienced a wonderful love in your life, as did she. She was a very lucky person to have you in her life. She knew love, and that's for sure. A beautiful engagement story. Such a thoughtful and dreamlike way of doing it. I will say this. You have known love and known loss. Your work with epilepsy groups will mean that you are minimizing loss and suffering in the world. You feel to me like the kind of person who is going to take this pain and convert it into goodness. For others, for you, for Erica, and in her memory. Please do keep in touch, George. Uh, wow. So, yeah, it's it's really something. Uh, oh, but it just meant a lot, you know? Uh, just yeah. complete strangers doing this. And uh, and uh, I have to cut this short. I mean, I've been talking forever. but uh, no, That's okay, man. I guess I'll leave it with this, like... Dealing with this is not really talked about, but I don't want people to feel crazy, you know, the way they're feeling, and it's okay, and uh, I don't know. That's it. I fucking love you, man. We love you, buddy. Love you, too. Bye. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like an. there's nothing you can really say. Mm. But watching all these people try, I don't know. There was just something like to, I couldn't. To me, I think the thing that I found beautiful about it was everyone was sort of telling him like, oh, think back to all your great memories. And oh, there's a, and but he was stuck like looking at the future, like the episodes of Veep that hadn't come out or yeah. that like he was stuck looking at the hole in the future, which is like like I I. I, it's like there's no amount of past that can make up for that hole in the future. And then I feel like uh, George Saunders in that letter, he sort of recast the future. Like you're living for both of you now. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like, here's the, it's like, here's a way to bear the future. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lulu, for uh, for playing that for me. You're welcome. Huge thanks to the team at The 11th. Big thanks also to the folks at Relentless Picnic. A little update about Matt. In the almost five years since that conversation took place, he has fallen in love, gotten married, had a baby, and he now works as a volunteer grief counselor to people who've lost someone due to a sudden unexpected death from epilepsy. And finally, a big thanks to Lou Okowski, 
Uh, she is the one who said, I had to hear that conversation. And actually, Lou did one of the most stunning pieces we've ever done at Radiolab. It's called Grandpa. And it is also about two people looking very closely at death. I highly recommend you check it out. And if for some reason you don't want to listen to more stories about death, uh, I recommend you listen to a story we did called The Luckiest Lobster about a woman who rescued a lobster from a grocery store. Uh, yes, or that one. <laughs> Either way, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Radiolab was created by Jada Boomrod and is edited by Soren Wheeler. Lulu Miller and Latif Nasser are our co-hosts. Susie Lechtenberg is our executive producer. Dylan Keefe is our director of sound design. Our staff includes Simon Adler, Jeremy Bloom, Becca Bressler, Rachel Cusick, W. Harry Fortuna, David Gable, Maria Paz Gutierrez, Sindunyana Sambindam, Matt Kilty, Annie McEwen, Alex Neeson, Sara Kari, Ariane Wack, Pat Walters, and Molly Webster. Our fact checkers are Diane Kelly, Emily Krieger, and Adam Shibill. Drew Downey from Daphne, Alabama. Radio Lab is supported in part by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science and technology in the modern world. More information about Sloan at www.sloan.org. Science reporting on Radio Lab is supported in part by Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. 